0: Welcome to the Kupinger Coal Analyst Chat. I'm your host. My name is Matthias Reinwald. I'm an analyst and advisor at Kupinger Coal Analysts, and I'm joined today by my colleague Anne Bailey. She is an analyst for emerging technologies at Kupinger Coal Analysts, and today we will talk about a very current topic. But first of all, welcome, Annie.
1: Hi. Happy
0: to be back. Happy to have you again. And this time we have a real current topic right now. Uh, We will talk about the overlap between the COVID-19 response and the topic of decentralized IDs, verifiable credentials. So what is going on with this decentralized identity and the COVID response? Where, Where are the connection points? Where does this fit together?
1: Yeah, so it's been really interesting. I'm sure many of you have heard of contact tracing apps. Um, They're popping up all over the place as a way to limit the spread of COVID-19. Basically, if you are in proximity to somebody who has been tested positive or exposed, or if you yourself have tested positive or exposed, it's a way to let those people who were nearby you but perhaps you don't know, provides a way to inform them that they may have been exposed. So there was a really interesting statement made by the European Parliament. So they said in April that, quoting, the generated data are not to be stored in centralized databases, which are prone to potential risk of abuse and loss of trust, and this demands that all storage of data must be decentralized. So this is a really interesting statement. And a lot of blockchain developers jumped on it as their opportunity to provide the most privacy responsible contact tracing app. This statement by the European Parliament doesn't necessarily mean blockchain or these other decentralized architectures that have been so popular, but it's definitely the way in this. It's the connection point for decentralized identity and the COVID response.
0: So, but the, the solutions that we are seeing now uh, coming into, into existence or the one that is already in existence, for example, for, for Germany, um, that is uh, really fully decentralized. So where does the actual storage take place and how is communication made for uh, such, a, such an application? Um, what, what are the use cases that we currently support here?
1: Yeah. So the the contact tracing app is one of many use cases. And you mentioned another, the, the need for secure communication. So really the ability to securely communicate between a patient and a testing facility to communicate test results in a way that that patient could read, but also that patient could show to others to confirm that they are not positive for COVID-19. There's also another interesting use case of potentially door-to-door testing. If a health professional were to go from house to house and offer testing to citizens, there would be a need to verify that testing uh, kit that um, individual who is providing the test, things like that. Yeah, and then a, another use case would be for immunity passport. So this is uh, yet another iteration of secure communications of packaging the, the information of a test result into the form that could be shown to a store to allow you to go in. Uh, be able to show it to an airline, to be able to purchase a flight ticket, all instances where it would be really advantageous to show that you are not, um, you don't currently have COVID-19 or perhaps even that you're immune, that you've passed an antibody test.
0: So these immunity passports are surely something that we should talk about a bit more also from because that that is really also uh, there are some critical aspects around that as well but are, are there other use cases that the public has not necessarily heard of
1: Yeah so one of the major use cases for blockchain in general is to facilitate more transparent supply chain communication and that's actually even more critical now as transportation is disrupted, as businesses have to slow down or um, even close uh, given the health crisis. Um, So it's become really critical to be made aware of different suppliers, of their capacity, of their ability to get from point A to B. Um, And so there are some solutions that are being worked on specifically for the COVID-19 crisis to accelerate the searching process that a company would need to go through to find a new supplier
0: right but but to have that at scale for example supply chain communication um, that requires interoperability are there standards around that we can already use so that we can get to this level of interoperability
1: yes actually this is a really critical time because this is the the first time that there are standards that are being widely adopted by different blockchain or decentralized uh, developers. So there are some standards coming out of the W3C, and they're called verifiable credentials. And so even though the situation, this crisis, is um, setting the stage for more decentralized apps and, and use cases, the technology and the the ongoing global discussion about how best to do this is also maturing to a place where those could happen and actually work together with each other.
0: Okay, but what means um, verification in that area? So how how can we really know that a credential is trustworthy, that it's really coming from the right issuer and represents the right person?
1: Mm -hmm. So this has long been an issue with um, taking a physical ID or a credential, something which is indicating a, a critical piece of information about an individual, this jump between physical to digital with IDs hasn't been done very well. So in the, in the worst case, you can imagine scanning a passport um, and emailing it. You know, this has so many privacy issues. Yeah, this is terrible, but for many, um, in many parts of the world, this is the best option to digitize ID. And so a, a, a verifiable credential, something which could be trusted by many different parties as an entirely digital ID is really, really important. And this upcoming standard or, or rather more widely adopted standard now, um, verified credentials, is able to provide this dependability. Yes, yeah, in order to make a better digital option. These verified credentials have to exist in a way that's cryptographically secure, that's machine verifiable, um, and is still able to respect the owner's privacy.
0: Right. So, and talking about privacy, let's get back to the to these immunity passports that you've mentioned. Um, on, on the one hand, I, I fully get the point that it's good to prove to an airline that I'm not uh, infected right now, that I maybe even am immune. Um, if this will be the case, which which we don't know by now. Uh, but on the other hand, this is really something that frightens me a bit, having to present that proof, um, which in itself is um, some kind of um, laying open my my uh, my most private information, which is um, health information. And um, if I don't do it, discriminating me by not letting me into that plane. So there are a lot of tra- drawbacks here right now. Am I right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. This um, thinking of immunity passports in particular is really, really problematic. Um, because although there there are arguably ways that you could share your personal health information without oversharing or without completely giving it up, there are some solutions in the self sovereign identity space and the other in decentralized identity that could make that happen. the The use case is really crossing some lines in, in terms of protecting fundamental human rights. And so if we let our imagination not exactly run wild, but, you know, walk a few months or years into the future of having such an immunity passport, that would really create a new class of citizen, Um, you know, someone who is able to travel freely, who's able to work freely, and that gives them more privilege. They are more employable. They would be able to negotiate higher salaries, and they would really be the sort of person which is in demand. So on the flip side, all of those people who are not able to prove their immunity become these less privileged citizens. So it's you could imagine that person being denied the right to be in a public space or having access to services, public transportation, And this would all be under the guise of protecting themselves and others. But that is an infringement on their rights.
0: Yeah, that was what I'm aiming at. When you have this new, higher class of citizens, as you've described it, then of course then you also create a class which contains all these people that cannot or don't want to uh, present this information. And they then would, of course, be in a situation where they could not participate But on the other hand is how trustworthy would that information then be? Who would issue such an immunity passport and how trustworthy would they be? Um, Could they be inaccurate? Could this be something that we also might want to consider that uh, this information is not trustworthy?
1: Yeah. So uh, at the moment uh, we're using antibody tests to give an indication of immunity and there are a few issues with this. So, I of course am not a health expert, but as far as I'm aware, there are still many, many things that virologists and experts don't know about COVID 19. And so, that also plays into the dependability of these antibody tests. It may not be the case that if somebody has developed antibodies after having had COVID 19, that may not um, really indicate immunity or maybe only for a short period of time. So the input data to such an immunity passport really has to be questioned. It may not be dependable even if the decentralized solution is able to facilitate it. Um, another issue is that there are a lot of different types of antibody tests, and they all have varying degrees of reliability. So again, this is questioning the data that you would be communicating. There's, there's a really high risk with some of these tests for a false positive that really can't be depended, and as long as that's in question, then the solution won't work.
0: Right. So, um, we tech people, we tend to try to solve problems just from a technological point of view. I think that is a great example. Again, that just by having a reliable, um, verifiable credential in place, that does not mean that we can solve every issue with that um, solution without creating new problems on a, on a very different level when it comes to privacy, when it comes to discrimination, to inclusion, to bias. I think that is really a great example then, that we should watch that space and really be careful what to do, what to use, and what better to not do. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And even though there may be some really compelling use cases for decentralized identity, just because Um, handling this crisis seems like a great opportunity to further those goals and those use cases, there's some incompatibility here. So just because we could use the framework for a decentralized wallet to, to hold your identity credentials, what if those credentials are not dependable? So the input data from these antibody tests that Cannot be trusted, so even though you may have the wallet and the ability to securely share that info it 's not going to work if the input situation is not dependable.
0: So great, that is also a really good summary for today 's discussion. Um, I assume that you will continue to um, watch these developments on, on the one hand um, from the technological point of view and on the other hand from yeah the, the social the impact point of view. Um, so um, it, it makes perfect sense for our audience that, that they um, every now and then have a look at coopingacall.com and look wh- whether new developments have been happening. And that will be then covered by you there as well, I assume.
1: Yeah, absolutely. This is um, the, the topic of decentralized identity really falls on this intersection of technology and of, of social. So there's always something new.
0: Perfect. So then I would really recommend um, that um, we, we cover that topic in a later episode again, when we know more, when maybe technologies and our knowledge has improved, um, and when there is um, yeah more to talk about here. And um, for the time being, thank you very much, Annie, for joining me today. And I'm looking forward to having you in an upcoming episode again.
1: Yeah, thanks, Matthias. It's always a pleasure to be here.
0: It's a pleasure for me. Thank you. Bye-bye.
1: Bye.